You're listening to the Plus Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we sit down with artists, founders, video game music composers, and discuss early ideas, challenging hurdles, and how the ever-changing music industry will evolve in the digital age. Today we're sitting down with blockchain expert and NFT guru, Jeremy Bourne. Jeremy talks to us about his company, NFT Genius, and the opportunities that he sees for musicians and artists in this exploding digital space. Here's more from Jeremy now. Welcome to the Plus Music Podcast. Today we're sitting down with blockchain expert and founder of NFT Genius, Jeremy Bourne. Jeremy, we know that you're focusing your efforts on bringing music to the world of NFTs and giving power back to creators and artists themselves. With a history in digital marketing and an expert in the buzzed about NFT world, we can't wait to learn more about the blockchain, crypto, and the NFT opportunities popping up for musicians and artists alike. Welcome to the show, Jeremy Bourne. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, good, good, to, good to meet you, Jeremy. Look so, at that equipment back there. Man. Awesome. Yeah, you know, it's uh, in the music world before digital, there was analog and um <laughs> You know, yep. unlike the digital world of NFT yep. and crypto, the analog world still it's, exists to some. What's iron, the <laughs> yes. irony is that most of that's still digital equipment, though. Um, let's jump into it. Let's jump into it. <laughs> let's do it. So, let's do it. Let's talk about NFTs. There's a lot of confusion and just a little bit of gray area with most people on nfts um brian and i are pretty well read on it but just to get us started on uh for the for the folks listening walk us through what an nft is let's and then we'll kind of get to why an artist would want to have an ft nft around what they're doing and then how like a regular person would buy an nft cool so the easiest way to describe an nft is it's a digital beanie baby, it, right? It's the easiest mm-hmm. way to understand it, right? It makes a sense. T-shirt from a musician that they sell, uh, you know, at one of their concerts, but instead now it's digital. It's a trading card. Let's just say a Michael Jordan trading card, right? Um, or a LeBron James, whatever the case may be. Instead of collecting it physically and opening up a pack, the world has moved to fully digital, right? Not the entire world, but a large portion of the world has moved to digital to where they're okay opening a digital pack of cards and collecting mm-hmm. the digital card. And the great thing is, is that it's not like you go on one of these apps where, you know, tops and all these different companies have apps where it's trading cards where you can buy a number of different cards and you can trade them. Um, but there's no guarantee in that particular circumstance, just because it's digital, that there's not a, a cap to the amount of cards or there's a guarantee that there's a certain amount of scarcity attached to it. And that's where blockchain comes in. Blockchain can give you the provenance and the instant guarantee that A, I'm the owner and I can see it on this ledger. So think of like Wells Fargo, you can see the debits and credits of your own accounts. Well, picture that ledger was available to the entire world and anybody could check and they could verify those transactions. That's really what the blockchain is. So NFTs and these digital assets tied to that, I know that number one, I own it and I can prove it to somebody. And number two, I can prove that it was from the original creator, which is really important, obviously, as well. So I know I'm not buying some sort of random knockoff of that particular product. Got it. And so on that point, so as we as I heard it, um, NFTs are there's a way for that particular digital item to be in in the blockchain's good for that because there's this immutable immutable ledger here 
that can't be uh, messed with and there's just one or they're all numbered maybe there's 20 of this digital thing and they're numbered in sequence um and what blockchain are they on good question there's there's a number of different blockchains right and some of them have their own protocols so i'll give you like two good examples of ones that are just easy to understand which is ethereum is, is something that most NFTs are on. That's where they kind of started with CryptoKitties, uh, if yeah. you guys have heard of those. Mm -hmm. um, that is on specifically the Ethereum ERC721 standard. It's like understanding an internet protocol, like to the average user, who cares, right? I just want to be able to buy it and collect it. But there is a protocol for that particular blockchain. There are other types of standards that accommodate for things which are really interesting in music, um, you know, for royalty-based structures as well. So Ethereum is one that you're going to find. And then in Ethereum, there's these things called side chains, which is a different chain that does something unique. Like as an example, Ethereum, if I bought a $10 NFT, I kind of might not want to do that because the actual transaction fee a lot of times would exceed the cost of the item. So to me, there's no point in putting it on Ethereum, right? But now there's other chains that have created for that scalability with lower transaction fees. So then it makes more sense to buy that $10 item. Now you go to something like Wax or uh, Flow, where we've all seen NBA Top Shot, I'm assuming, right? So Flow mm -hmm. has built it in such a way to where it's energy efficient, if you will, as they call it, right? Or eco-friendly, um, because there's no transaction fees or little transaction fees that will ever exist in that ecosystem. So that's built mm -hmm. for a ton of products to be able to be sold. So, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of NFTs at scale for a dollar each doesn't really matter because it makes sense to trade those without incurring tremendous fees. So there's a number of different blockchains that are going after <clears throat> different solutions, I would say. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so that's that they call that layer two, right? Correct. Most of those those yep. are like mm -hmm. Polygon, Matic and things like that. Look at um, you, man. You're like an Link, expert already. Yeah. <laughs> We've been around a question for you. Okay, yeah. Okay. We have J Jeremy. So and, you know, Nick and I are a little versed a little bit on this, but I'd like to bring this up. Even a guy that works with us had the question earlier. So is an NFT almost like a novelty, a digital novelty in the way a Beanie Baby is? Because, yeah, there might be a Beanie Baby that holds a guitar, but there might be 10 of them. But one of those Beanie Babies might just have a little freckle on it. And that's the one that's super desired. But you could have these ones that are similar is a copy of a Michael Jordan digital trading card screenshotted on your computer. Um, would that be equivalent to like a Monet, but a digital print of it? It's a really good question. And that kind of goes back to why did Beeple sell a piece of digital art for $69 million on Christie's auction house? And why did Fuocious just make over $2 million on his piece yesterday? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because the world is now becoming much more open to the tangibility of a digital item because now we're seeing this transition to, okay, well, yes, I can tie it to blockchain. I can guarantee that this is mine. It's from the original source. Now you're seeing the ability for somebody to actually display it in their home. So, how is that any different than a piece of traditional art? It's just a digital frame. So, there's actually huge frames that they sell. There's Infinite Objects, which is a company that's doing really cool things that are tying these little mini digital frames with the, the background that shows kind of like the number and the sequence of that particular item so that that can be shipped along with the NFT itself. So you have a physical item as well. So mm -hmm. I see the world moving there and that's why they're okay with it. And mm -hmm. it's almost like, 
you know, the collector's mentality. It's like, you just like the thing that nobody else has. And you're, and if you have the money, you're going to be willing to pay whatever <laughs> possible for mm-hmm. it, you know? So if there's mm-hmm. a market and there's a demand, the prices will be there. I think the prices for sure got out of hand for a little while. Um, you know, if Blau, as an example, did the same thing that he did before, would he make $11 million? I'd argue probably not. It's a different market, yeah. a different ecosystem. So yeah. things yeah. are changing. That's interesting. Um, and a good question, Brian. I think like, you know, to maybe land this into practical terms, let's say you're an artist, you're a musician and you're like, okay, I got a new album coming out. I can, I've got my regular choices. I've got, I can print vinyl. I can make CDs, which most cars don't even have a CD player anymore. Um, you can make your t-shirts and hats and merch, you know, stuff that to sell at shows. Um, is there a world where the concert that they just played, you could go to the merch booth and buy the NFT of that concert that just played? Mm. I like that. That's where it's going. If you want to know um, where it's really going, I can, I can paint a picture as to like what the future experience will be. That's what I'm we're trying to create for, it myself. Jeremy, I'm trying it. to yes. create it myself with NFT Genius. Um, I want us to get there, um, but there's a lot that goes into this, right? There's a lot of adoption that would need to happen. But I imagine a world to where, you know, each of these venues is going to have their own app, or Ticketmaster or Live Nation has their own app, and in the app, there's going to be built-in functionality that has geolocation tied to it, right? So as soon as I break a geofence, aka I'm in the arena or I'm at the festival, immediately it's going to give me offers of NFTs where I can buy immediately NFTs that you can only purchase in that particular location the same way that you have the, wow. the filters right on Snapchat and things like that based on le- geolocation. I come from a geolocation marketing background. So this is where like my brain immediately goes to. And I can almost yeah. imagine Pokemon Go inside of a stadium, inside of a sports stadium. It's Pokemon Go. You're walking around. You're trying to find these freaking floating NFTs. And it has like a countdown timer. It's like, get it right you now. Just see and by the people way, bumping into each yeah. other. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what's going to happen. An artist is going to have something to where in the background of the video of them performing, there's going to be a random flash of a QR code. Well, guess what? Everybody's going to be holding their phone up and you have a QR code that you scan that you click it. It'll take you immediately to a drop page, which I have. We have that capability right now where you can just claim. So it's the first you can have a hundred NFTs. So the first hundred people to click that button, get that NFT. And you're the only one in the world that can have that. You know, the only hundred people in the world that can get that. And that could be right. A real time giveaway for a backstage pass right then and there. That can be a live experience to where whoever wow. wants it and can show it. Hey, guess what? Come on stage. I mean, just the, the sky's the limit. It's, it's as, I mean, that, as much as your mind green, can think of. Greenfield revenue, really like yeah. what money that hasn't ever been made before. I love it. Um, let me ask you this. This is, this is really great. So do you have to have cryptocurrency to buy an NFT? So if I'm walking and you can use just a direct bank account, PayPal, whatever. I mean, it depends on the integration, but like uh, NBA top shot, why did they win? They won because I could buy it with a credit card. They won because I could transfer money and wire it from my traditional bank account here. And then you have the dapper wallet, which is where you hold the money and the assets. And then you would have to like, you know, if you made money on trading cards, you would have to then wire it back out to your bank or something like that. But there's a lot more capabilities that exist now that allow me to purchase with a credit card. Wax is a good example. If you go buy Godzilla cards or the new MLB cards, you're buying with a credit card. They actually don't even, I don't even think they give you another option. Yeah. That's it. It's interesting. It's a good question, Brian. So it's like, 
you know, underneath the hood is a lot of stuff happening. You know, Dapper Labs building flow, I believe. And then Alchemy is the one that's providing most of the AWS version of, of NFT, I mean, of uh, blockchain services, right? There's a lot of ecosystem. The consumers don't give a shit, right? The consumers are, you know, you go to a website, nobody cares if it was powered by Squarespace or if it was, you know, posted from a server or AWS. Nobody cares. And I think that's where we'll get in this world. It's all about the, it's all about the uh, product, right? And the, and the sort of service offering. If, if I'm an, if I'm a musician and I go find your company, I go find your website and I say, well, I want to have an NFT for my next release. How would they engage with your company or a company like yours to be able to create their own NFT? Yeah, good question. So it's going to be a lot easier when our music specific platform is live. Um, it'll just be really easy. They can just sign up on the site. Um, right now, we're working with a number of different artists, um, some very large artists as well as some independent artists. Independent artists are great because there's more flexibility on utilizing their actual music. Uh, but we're actually just trying to build an entire economy, right? So for us, it's not about just putting out an NFT. It's about how can you build a closer interaction with the fan and the musician and the way that we used to. How do you add collectability back to the music industry? We used to go in a record store and peruse through CDs and try to find something new, or we'd get a CD and we'd open it up. There'd be this incredible album art. All that stuff's gone, right? Even collecting records, it's like a lost art almost, right? But mm -hmm. that album art, how incredible was that stuff? That stuff goes for crazy amounts on the secondary market. How do we really? bring that back? That's what we're interested in doing is that collectability mm -hmm. And then building an ecosystem to where we get these musicians back on track in terms of allowing them to be creative instead of being in this, like I say, this kind of cookie cutter machine of trying to figure out how can I get the most streams to make pennies on the dollar versus getting to a point to where I can be ultra creative and really figure out ways to create music that connects with my fans. Yeah, I think in that, all that's awesome. I think there's a there's like this early adopter mentality that we've been running with right now, which is like, oh, it's brand new. I'm going to spend 69 million on something, right? Mm. But like, there's some compelling ideas that I've heard that were, that that made NFTs make sense on like uh, another level. I forget the name of the company at this point, but one was you can release a piece of art, whether it's music or uh digital piece of art doesn't matter you can release something sell x amount of them right one through 20 or just one and what's cool is that each time that nft is sold again the original artist is able to make a percentage of that new sale so they like the way the art world works right now is you make a painting you sell it at whatever auction house and it goes away and the value of that of that painting ends up like influencing the rest of your pieces down the road but it doesn't you don't necessarily profit directly from its value growth right and so what's cool that i've there's just one company and they said basically the original artist gets to participate five percent or eight percent along the way forever as long as that thing exchanges hands then there's a transaction fee, they get a part of it. Uh, those kinds of things yeah. make sense because then it's like, yeah, well, that would be good for me limiting my music output from, you know, I can make as many CDs as possible 
or you know just put my music on spotify which could be replicated as many times as necessary um and then limitation would have it would have its own sort of benefit at the other end which would be the value growth and the participation in that value growth how are you thinking about that kind yeah. of stuff that's a really good point. It's something that I typically gloss over for some reason, even though it's like the most important facet of NFTs. And I don't know why, because it's almost like table stakes for me, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the the immutability of the blockchain and the provenance and be able to prove I own something and the 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 um, acceptance of digital goods is, is a lot. But to your point, probably the biggest opportunity and why I don't talk about it as much for musicians as I should is because it's very normal. They're they're used to having a royalty structure, right, on their music. So they get paid every single time somebody plays something, right, where their music managers get paid or the record label gets paid. Uh, in the same way, NFTs, it, it works for, it doesn't matter, by the way, like what company you were talking to, this applies to all NFTs. This is why NFTs are just so groundbreaking, especially for traditional artists that paint on canvas and then they randomly, you know, convert one of their traditional paintings to an NFT, to your point, they get a baked in royalty structure and they get some predetermined percentage of the overall sales in perpetuity. So now mm -hmm. they're just like That's a musician great. in that way. Right. But think about it from this perspective of like, think about implications for brands. I know this is a music podcast, but like brands coming in now, you can not only sell things to your customers, but you can make money on your customers. And, and as long as you're creating enough value for them to trade and create commerce within your ecosystem, you're making a percentage on every sale that they make on the secondary markets as well. So you can add value to them and then they're creating value and it's this wonderful kind of beautiful circle, right? Um, to be able to create a sustainable business. Mm -hmm. you, really, you really got my head turning on the whole album art opportunity for a musician, <laughs> mainly because A, it doesn't exist right now and Spotify and things, you can, but you gotta really dig for it. But like people like myself, who started listening to music by the record and would have their parents drop them off at tower records to meet friends. And that was a social scene. Yep. I, I discovered most of my music from the artwork, like reading the liner notes of Beatles yep. records and seeing this guy, Leon Russell played the guitar or played the keyboards and um, you know, Billy Preston played pianos on these. And then you go look up, Oh, who's that? Who's this? And it takes you down these paths of finding these different artists and, just that discovery feel like I just can't stop thinking about like, God, I'd love to just, you know, sure. You can go stream my music, but you can also have a copy yourself that I'll send you the physical form, but an NFT of all the credits and the personal stuff and everyone who played the stuff that should be front and center on yeah. the great music that's made out there. You can now have that available in a digital form and you don't necessarily have to sell one of them. You can make it do available to all your, whoever wants this artwork to flip through. It's five bucks. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, imagine if I'm you could this. collect that stuff, right? You could participate, mm -hmm. you could discover, but at the same time, as you're collecting and interacting with now a community, because right, this is not just going to tower records. This is like, you can go back and talk to people about it. You yeah. can show off your art, but what if you're getting rewarded for your participation and discovering new things? Mm -hmm. That's the stuff. That's the stuff that we're building at NFT so, Genius to allow this ecosystem. We're building basically digital economies for the artists and their fans to connect and make more revenue than they can today. It's so awesome. If I, I totally was, get it. So, just mm. kind of throwing this out there: of all right, there's a lot of different chains and NFTs being created by different um, different companies. 
how do you how does a collector like you know if i wanted to buy a card or i want my record collection i buy the record i put it on my shelf i know exactly where it is and i can show it to anybody at any time so is there going to be a, a so and a, the way that the cryptocurrency work is is you can keep it it could be like the custodian could be coinbase right that's where your wallet is or you can have yep. a cold storage wallet for the stuff that you have you can transfer right. it over there and you have to make sure you don't ever forget those passwords right right but how does an nft work in that case do you have are there cold store is there can you cold storage your nft or is it always going to be held in the wallet of the company that produced it yeah, really good question. So NFTs aren't as advanced as crypto in that way, but there are opportunities, sorry, dogs in the background. Are, there are opportunities to be able to utilize cold storage devices that take ERC-21 tokens um, to be able to do that. But there is in the works, let's just put it that way, some solutions that will allow for multi-chain and cross-chain custody of NFT assets. And that's something that we're looking into as well. Okay, that'd be interesting. And there's another world where I was I was thinking about how to promote nfts because like if you had a if you had an nft that was there like let's say let's say you picked like the rolling stones right and they start to produce a bunch of nfts and you know once they're released kind of <laughs> no way to know about what was there before what if there was someone that aggregated all of the different nfts and you could see what's available and you could be like i gotta have that i gotta have your nft mark it's like a not necessarily an auction marketplace but a place where all of the nfts that have ever been created are are listed and you know either their owner is is undisclosed or it isn't but you can kind of like see what's there I mean, some people would want to keep that private, but just like a Monet, you can see, a, you can go online and you know what the flowers and whatever are, and you can see it. You just might not be able to go see the real thing because it might be in somebody's, uh, you know, house. Right. Yeah. So there's a, um, have you guys ever heard of OpenSea? I'm assuming it's a platform. Uh, it's an NFT marketplace and they are like an aggregator. So they aggregate from like Nifty Gateway, Rarible, like so you can see a lot of different platforms and NFTs that exist. Um, they'll also, there's there's other things out there as well um, that show sales data. And then in that, like Crypto Slam is an example, we're actually coming up with a solution called Nifty Cap as well, which will be more of like a real-time sales analytics across all blockchains. Um, and what you can do is you can actually look at all the users. You can see what everybody holds. You can see the latest sales price. There's a lot of data that does exist out there if you know where to go and you dive deep enough. But to yeah. your point, you know, having a directory of all the NFTs that have ever been creative, uh, created would be interesting, but there's just literally so many of them and so much, I would say, crap out there, right? That it would just be like convoluted with just stuff and it'd be really hard to find. And that's where our general marketplace that we're building, um, which is aside from the music platform, we're building a general marketplace and the idea is to verticalize it so that people can find exactly what they're looking for immediately. If you care about sports NFTs, music NFTs, whatever it is, you can go there, you can find it, you can sort by artists or whatever the case may be and find it really quickly. So we are building that solution as well. Got it. Super and cool. Just, the, um, 
real okay. quick, Nick, I just wanted to talk just because more on NFT genius, just I know the music stuff isn't up there yet, but I checked out things like Bitcoin origins and uh, crypto yeah. buds like <laughs> yeah. describe like why would somebody want to be drawn to that? Like and this is, you know, speaking to somebody who doesn't really still are still getting their head around this NFT concept, how to earn value in it, where the value is. I love Bitcoin origins. I like the idea of it. It's gamified, right? And it kind of shows the, you know, it's, I think it's a perfect place to send people who really just want to get cryptocurrency for idiots or a Bitcoin for idiots. If you don't know anything about it, here's a good way to find out. But describe what your intention was of having that um, in NFT Genius and how somebody like me or a user that goes there can benefit from it. Yeah, it's a really good question. So, Originally created Bitcoin Origins because I saw an opportunity to use NFTs as storytelling mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. Art tells a Great. story and it transcends languages in the same way that music transcends any language. You can listen to music. I listen to Spanish music, Latin music, like whatever it is. I don't even need mm-hmm. to understand the words, but guess what? If it's a good beat, I'm going to vibe with it. I'm going to be excited. Um, mm-hmm. In the same totally. way, art, a Monet, doesn't really matter. There's no words to it, right? So the same thing with NFTs. It's like, how can you effectively convey the story of Bitcoin? through artistic cards. And that's what we decided mm-hmm. to do. So we brought on one of the best storytellers in the world. His name's Paul Jenkins, third employee of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, helped create God of War, uh, created the Incredible Hulk. I mean, you name it, he's been a part of these things and created the story that was really the first time that there was a groundbreaking movement of telling stories inside of video games, which people said couldn't have been done. So we just take that aspect and apply it to Bitcoin and tell the story. Mm. Uh, it's interesting because most of the people don't even read the back of the cards, which tells the story of each moment we're releasing, like why Silk Road was important or the release of the Bitcoin white paper, mm-hmm. because the art is so good. And we have our lead artist, his name's Mute Illustration or Mute as he goes by, uh, Nathaniel. And uh, he's one of the most incredible uh, illustrators that I've ever had a chance to work with. And we partnered mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, a really cool animation studio based out of Boston, um, that does really incredible animation. So we literally bring these cards to life. And if you look at the cards and what it's trying to convey, you can really understand the message and the feeling behind that moment and why it's so significant to the history of Bitcoin. So in essence, it's for the new people that want to learn about it. But what it's turned into is more of a collector's item for fans of Bitcoin that want to collect a piece of Bitcoin history. Yeah, I'm waiting for somebody so to cool. do like a Satoshi graphic novel. But um, yep. so... <laughs> so okay you so you guys have cards how does a player i mean how does a purchaser of a card view the card at what format is it on their phone their computer is it an app yeah most people view it i mean you can view it on your phone uh, or on our website so you have your entire inventory on btcorigins.com there's an inventory section so you can view all your cards you can view the front and the back um you can buy and sell uh, there's also secondary markets called Atomic Hub. Uh, that's the main one where people go and they actually trade them. Um, and then we also have created something unique that we haven't released yet. So this is the first time I'm saying it, which is an augmented reality experience where you hold your phone up and then there's this like really cool area that you can go into that pops up a door that you can walk through that just pops up in your room and you go yeah. inside of the door. There's this hand that lifts up and it displays your cards so you can show anybody in your family, your friends or whatever, and you can swipe through and display any card that you want. Damn. <laughs> Dude, Jeremy, this is killer. God, you must be, your brain must be mush 
imagining all of this stuff and then and then executing it. <laughs> I, it's, then, it's not me. It's the team behind me, man. I, mm-hmm. I uh, you know, I'm work with some of the smartest and most creative people in the entire world. It's, it's a dream come true, to be honest with you. These guys yeah, are really next honest. level. Congrats, congrats on it, Jeremy. Thank uh, you. Mm-hmm. And Thank then I'm assuming VR and other, other like, you know, device right behind it uses would be right there too. You know? I mean, the future for me is like, can I get an NFT that then I can go home, right? After I go to a concert, whatever the case may be, and that NFT acts as a key to unlock then a virtual experience. Like, okay, cool. They played a new, like Travis Scott played a new song or whatever the case may be. Now I get an NFT, it unlocks a virtual experience in like these new virtual worlds, as they call the metaverse, right? And I can now walk inside of his song. It tells the story of the song. You walk around, you can interact with things. Like that's to us, like that's where this is going anyway, because we're already seeing virtual concerts happen. There's never mm-hmm. going to not be an in-person concert. So how do you augment that with NFTs? Mm-hmm. But when I'm back home, how can I dive deeper and find out even more than the album cover used to show me? The album cover might just be something where it opens up and you see the album cover digitally. And then literally the, the viewpoint is you dive literally into the album and now you're in it and you're experiencing it. Like that's where I want to take this thing. So when, you know, when you're starting a band, you get your drummer, your, your bassist and your computer programming in your <laughs> <Yeah>. band. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's cool, man. It's it, really it, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's Jerry, I know you got to rap soon. Um, and, and, and it's crazy because this is quite possibly one of the most interesting interviews we've had just because this world is so exciting, you know, and, I'd like to say Nick and I, we got really into blockchain probably like 2017, I think it was, and went to a couple of conferences up in San Francisco. And immediately as a musician and being in this world, like I was a musician on a record label back when these places, record stores used to exist. And it was pretty easy to figure out how you made money. You put out records, they sell. We took a forecast at the end of the year. Where's the music on the radio? Where's it being sold? And you do a tour around it come to the digital age, I just like can't imagine the opportunity going forward for even new artists to, you know, break into this NFT world. What would be the, I mean, obviously NFT genius coming out with the musicians tab, but as an indie artist, what would you say being on the ground level, this is still new technology. What's our first steps that we should be looking into? Yeah, I'd say the first step is just, you know, like you guys have done research the industry, get to know the different blockchains and solutions. Um, I think Clubhouse is a great one. Twitter Spaces, both of them have pretty vibrant communities. I've seen a lot of uh, like NFT and music NFT specific rooms to where people are just chatting and having conversations about like, how do I get in? Um, Obviously, we're trying to create solutions to make it easy for musicians to come in. Um, but I think there are things out there that they can do. I mean, you can go on Rarible right now as an example. And if you wanted to, you could record yourself singing a song or place your phone over here, do an acoustic track. You could capture that. You can upload that as a 30 second clip. It turns into an NFT and I can sell it in five minutes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you could literally get in the game now if you want to. It's great. And the best mm-hmm. way to learn is to just get in and just do it and get uncomfortable. That's Bitcoin origins. Thought of the idea told a few people they're like oh yeah it's a pretty good idea i went on uh you know one of these sites and i just went through like hundreds and hundreds of different artists i'm like that's the guy and somehow he got back to me and that ended up being like my main artist now right um and then we released it uh i talked about it a little bit 
The first one didn't sell out that quick because nobody knew about it. It was a hundred percent organic, no paid, nothing from even day one. I think we just did our first banner ads in the last like moment seven. Uh, everything else was just like word of mouth. So we talked about it, sold out over three days. And then the next one immediately is like 30 seconds done, six seconds, three seconds sold out completely. Um, wow. and it's because we got it out there and we just, we learned you know, after the first one, we're like, oh man, that sucks. I don't want it out there for three days. How do you make that better? How do you learn? How do you make the art better? And then we started hiding things inside of the cards. So it's like, we did a whole treasure hunt around the set. So somebody could ultimately win a whole Bitcoin which no set has ever done that where they're redistributing their revenues back to the community. We're the first to really do that in a significant way. It was worth, I think at the time that we gave it away, I think Bitcoin was worth $50,000 or something like that, right? So one person won it, but five people got to the final level of this treasure hunt. And they decided to share it amongst each other. So they each got about $10,000 in Bitcoin just for participating in our set, looking for clues and being a part of the community. That's so that cool. sounds like a Ready Player One. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what, you know, as we wrap up here, I don't like to talk about the negative, but being a professional yeah. and knowing more about this, what should people watch out for in their space? In the That's NFT a really space? good question. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always shady people anywhere you go. There's a lot of people that are going to promise a lot of things. I would just say that just make sure that you're on a legit chain research and do your due diligence with the company that you're partnering with. Um, there's established players out there. Um, so just like go on Google and it's like the ones that are not the paid ads, the ones that actually show up organically on Google in terms of like NFT music platform or NFT platform, the ones that are showing up on top have a tremendous amount of traffic, have a, a good track record. You have OpenSea, you have Rarible, you have Maker's Place, obviously Nifty Gateway is huge, but it's like impossible for anybody to get on. But if you're a big famous artist with a huge name, go after, you know, like the nifty gateways until we launch ours, then you can come work with us. Um, but yeah, I would just say, be careful on that. As far as collectors are concerned, um, you always just want to make sure that the person that is the, the, the creator, the correct creator, make sure that you're buying from the right account because people copy Bitcoin origins as an example all the time. And our account is like, you know, Bitcoin origin, right. With a GN without, you know, missing the I at the end. Somebody will mm. put it with an I or add a two at the end. And you just don't really notice it's fooled me many a times. So just make sure that you're buying from the original creator. And that's going to be the most important thing. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So if you were, um, got it, do your research and, and probably mm -hmm. the other piece of advice that I think most people in the crypto space tell other people, like would tell their mom is just, if you're going to throw some money out on something, just make sure it doesn't doesn't hurt you know mm -hmm. make sure you you could lose yeah, that for right? sure only spend what you can afford good. it's like what would you go and throw i always tell people this it's like if i took you to vegas right now like how much would you put on black right now that's as much as you're willing to lose at that moment right and if take mm -hmm. that if it's 100 bucks it's 500 bucks <laughs> whatever it is zero mm -hmm. cool <laughs> maybe nfts are not for you but i guarantee you yeah, well, no, i mean i just with an yeah. nft and said there's a one of one and it was like you know right in front of your face totally. you probably pull the trigger <laughs> yeah absolutely well jeremy this is this has really been great i just uh, i have personally one more question for you only because every musician i know that was out of work this last pandemic year dipped their toes into the crypto and digital world market of course they dipped their toes in when bitcoin was at about sixty thousand, and now it's obviously taken a tank 
What do we tell our people out there who just got their first taste and might be scared of NFT and crypto and blockchain because of this tank in the crypto market? Do you say, hold tight, it's coming back, or you missed out the first time? The first thing I'll say is, disclaimer, this is not financial advice. Seek counsel of your own financial (laughs) professional. That's number one. Uh, But what I look at it as and what I do from like a collector standpoint or from a purchaser of cryptocurrencies in general is you have to just understand that this is a new medium. This is a new medium of, you know, communication. This is a new medium of exchange of value. So, you know, the internet was the creation of the value of transferring information, right? Now, cryptocurrencies and NFTs were transferring value, right? So now information has evolved to value, has evolved to content. Now we're doing a transfer of content that's tied to a blockchain. So, you know, with that said, it's a new technology is being adopted. It's going to have its ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of people and large companies that don't want it to work. So they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that it doesn't, you know, knock them off the block or disrupt their organizations. And they have deep pockets to ensure that happens. So because of that, you're going to see the ups and downs. We've seen the cycle go up in 2017, crash down. You know, Bitcoin went to 19,000, down to 3,700, and then it went back up to 60,000. Now look at it right now. It's you know in the mid 30s. So this is just a part of the process. It, you know, if you don't have a stomach for it, I would say just don't join in. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the average person, I would just say you have to look at it as a long-term play. NFTs, crypto in any way, find a good project that is quality. Don't, you know, don't speculate and just be like, hey, this is the new Board Apes Yacht Club or whatever it is, right? Look at something that has value, that has a good use case, has a good solid team. And if you believe in the use case, you believe in the team and you see that they're active and that the community is growing, then cool, like be a part of it. But I wouldn't say don't expect anything in the next six to 12 months. Look at it for the long term and watch it come to fruition over existence and, and bet on it over the next two, three years. That's what I do. Once again, not financial advice, but anything that I buy, I'm in it for the long term because I know that there's just cycles that go up and down. And ultimately, if it hits its goal, it's going to probably put me in a good position. Yeah, that's interesting. Love I it. think it, Love it. as we wrap up, um, with those new projects, right? There's always the the idea that is Bitcoin going to still maintain its position with the way it's structured, right? Because that's a project that was one of the first mm-hmm. projects, obviously. And then you've got Flow, and you know who, who people are talking about is better than Ethereum, and you know where does Ethereum end up, and any one of these chains can rewrite their their protocols, right? Or they, you know, they can all vote for it. What do you think about the the big guys now? Do you think that those are safer bets? And and this is not advice. This is just your, <laughs> your, this is just you thinking about the bit the just the the crypto world in general, like as a project understanding. Where do you think where do you think Bitcoin will end up? And versus some of the newer guys? Uh, I think Bitcoin was created to be a, I mean, it was created to do, you know, obviously be an exchange, a medium of exchange, decentralized completely away from any centralized governing parties so that we can, in essence, be our own bank, right? So if people adopt that mm-hmm. and you can become your own bank and you can be in control of your financial future where nobody can seize your money, right? You can't, you know, like think of Venezuela and you think about, currencies around the world and you know third world countries to where the value of their currency 
one day was something and then the next day it goes down by 75% reduces your buying power by that much. I mean, we in the US don't experience stuff like that. We can only imagine what that feels like, but imagine them making a bet on something like Bitcoin with a value state or it only went down 20% versus 75%. It's a diversification method, which is why you're seeing some of the biggest asset managers in the entire world, some of the biggest companies in the entire world, you know, think of PayPal or, or Twitter, whatever the case may be, they're putting these assets on their books. Look at MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor. He was the first publicly traded company to put Bitcoin in, you know, in the treasury to be able to diversify. And what happened? He got in at the right time and made more money on that bet than he ever has in terms of revenue in the company. Right now, he's like one of the biggest Bitcoin advocates in history. So now you're seeing whole countries. And by the way, all of this was documented and predicted by the earliest adopters of this technology. They said, eventually, it's going to be banks, it's going to be companies, it's going to be countries that are going to be wanting to hoard Bitcoin, because there's 21 million that will ever exist. It's a computer program that can never be altered or changed. And think of how many millionaires, there's way more millionaires in the world than there are Bitcoin. Only 21 million and over 18 million are already distributed and are out in the world. So it's going to be really hard to come across over time as more and more get distributed. And I think it ends in 2140 when the last Bitcoin ever gets released. So, so you're saying that suggest. Bitcoin has got a strong chance <laughs> of surviving. I think this is a, a definitely that, yes. an opportunity for a second show. <laughs> but I want to be respectful of your time, I'm Jeremy. Down. I know you got to hit it. But uh, yeah. Really appreciate everything you said. This world fascinates me. I know it fascinates our listeners. We'd love to have you back. Um, cool. In the meantime, we'll uh, put some links for NFT Genius and uh, look forward to the music part coming up. Yeah, and I Sounds think maybe a good next next chat would be when you when you finally launch the music platform, and we can uh, talk more about that and and tell people how to how to get involved. Let's let's one hundred percent do that. I can't wait to talk about. I used to be an indie artist, and I'll just end with this. I used to be an indie artist. I was in a rock band, like a hard rock band. I was screaming and singing and doing all that, playing at these small showcases. And all you wanted to do was play with these big bands. And you got, we got a chance to play, was it Slipknot or like a tray or like one of these larger bands. And the whole goal was to get their record label to hopefully notice you, even though you're playing first, you're opening the show, nobody's there. You're hoping that one guy sees you and you just want that record deal. But at the same time, you're supporting everything. You're selling merch, you're paying for it nfts and we'll get to this in the next episode and what i'm trying to build is for indie artists to be able to think about selling nfts in the form of a kickstarter right so there's different levels maybe you buy this nft you will you're allowed to come and name a song or we'll mention your name in a song or you can help name the album or you can collaborate mm -hmm. with the musician on a song all those things people would want to pay for because it gives them value in association with these artists that they're already fans of. And guess what that does when you sell that? It allows you as the artist to fund yourself. You don't even need a label in essence to go fund yourself and pay for your entire tour. I, if I had something like that, it would have been game changing. I was relying yeah, yeah. upon other people to pay for that. But now NFTs can allow for even the small guys to win in a big way if done right. So anyway, for It'd next be time. really cool too to add to that. And you didn't ask for my advice or, or my <laughs> opinion, but it is to is to add those investors or those 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 people that we've been putting money in on the Kickstarter as participants in the revenue as it gets sold down the road. Yes, sir. That's what we're you gonna talk it. about you at Dow. No. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Good to see you. Thank man. you guys. Jeremy, yeah. Thanks, Great Nick. to see you, Thanks, man. Brian. Appreciate it. We'll talk time. to you All soon, right. bud. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. Bye.